Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who finally got the golf after, you know, going without it since September, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing fabulous. You know, anytime you can get out, you know, go swing the clubs a little bit, um, you know, really hit the course is, is the best. And big shout out to the guys that I play with, especially uh, my man, Aaron Weaver. Aaron's the best. Um, he's he's kind of coaching me up a little bit. I, I'm trying to get more consistent. I'm trying to you know do better with course management. And he's been helping me a lot. I shot a 47, so nothing amazing, but pretty good for not golfing for six months. Trevor, you think you could beat my 47 ever? I could beat your 47 if that's in like four holes, maybe or five holes. <laughs> of course, a man who I know could beat my 47 is of course Ben O'Brien, who's most likely the best golfer of the three of us. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. I mean, I also got the chance to golf yesterday. I, I, I set out a goal when this new year started that I wanted to I wanted to golf in every month this year. So January through December, at least once every month. Uh, I went the last weekend of February. I squeaked it in. And I just squeaked it in yesterday, my first time go, uh, golfing all of March. I squeaked it in the last weekend of March. So hopefully I can continue. Now that the weather's getting a lot nicer, it should be a lot easier mm-hmm. for me to go more frequently. But my goal is still to golf at some point during every month this year, see if I can do it. Yeah, your, your challenge is definitely going to be, you know, once you hit November, December, that's going to be the true yeah. challenge. Because I, I feel like, especially like, you know, in Ohio, our, our February and March, frankly, have been pretty decent. Especially this past mm-hmm. couple weeks of March have been really, really nice. And you definitely could have, would have had the chance to be able to go and golf a little bit. But we have a good episode planned today, as always. We'll just get right into it. First up, we had some very big trades uh, in the NFL for the NFL draft. Uh, we saw the number three overall pick go to the Niners. Um, from the Dolphins, who went back to number 12, and of course there's other stuff involved in that trade. Um, and then of course we also had the Dolphins going moving back up to number 6 from the Eagles, and the Eagles took their 12th pick, and of course more picks involved in that trade. And you know what's interesting about this news is we, we see the Niners making the move for a quarterback. Um, however, they supposedly the rumors are that they want to keep Garoppolo even on his big deal, so get the rookie quarterback and keep Garoppolo, who I believe is under contract for two more years. And uh, from what sources have said, not to me, I'm, I'm not getting any sources. You know, Adam Schefter said this. Um, the Niners wanted the chance to get Fields or Wilson. It seems like people are really, really high in Wilson right now. So that, that might be the pick uh, in San Fran. But it's it's just interesting to see. I mean, this happened within like an hour. There was so so much going on within an hour. A lot of ramifications on this trade. We see like the Laramie Tunsil trade fully pan out. As after they traded some of these picks, and it seems like the Dolphins really got a lot of value for it. I'm excited to see what the Dolphins do specifically. I love moving back, especially if you have an early pick, um, just because it's so much value. I mean, they got two other first-rounders in the next two years uh, for San Francisco. Uh, so they they got a lot of value from this trade, a lot of picks in the future for them. They're going to be able to build around Tua um, if that's who they decide to build around. It's going to be really, really fun to see. You know how it works out for them. Really, in my opinion, the only I guess losers, if you could call it losers, I still don't think they necessarily lost. Are the Eagles fans are very very upset uh, that they're moving back. It, I I don't completely understand. I love the move back. I like getting picks and stuff. I, I think it's it's great to move back. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Eagles do with that 12th pick and moving forward as they got to build around Hurts or get another quarterback if they so desire to do that. I know people were excited about the potential of getting like a Jamar Chase. Uh, to pair with Hurts, but now going back to 12, it doesn't seem like that would be quite as possible. So, you know, we'll see. Draft day we got in about a month or so, right? Isn't it the end of April, guys? Right? Yeah, I think I so. it's the end of April. 
Yeah, I feel like Brandon. It's in Cleveland. Anybody, I feel like you should be the one to know uh, about the NBA or the NFL draft because that seems to be like your favorite day of the year. <laughs> yeah, it is my favorite day of the year. I'm hoping so, I'll uh, be able to go this year, as it is in Cleveland. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can go, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Thir- it's Thursday, tickets, we'll have to Thursday, see. April 29th is the first day. So it's almost exactly one month, mm-hmm. um, which will be awesome. I will have a lot of thoughts on that. So stay tuned to the podcast, of course. Subscribe. But let's get to the next topic because you know we're gonna we're gonna move back to basketball. We're, we're very in deep in basketball. We got March Madness. We got the NBA, and the NBA trade deadline was on Thursday. So Trevor, I'm gonna hand this one off to you. I know we're gonna start off. We got to start off with Victor Oladipo, right? You know he went to your Heat. Yeah, definitely. So as a Heat fan, to to say the least, I was very excited about this. I mean, Victor Oladipo. You know, this guy who, you know, just about two, three years ago now, he had his best year of his career. He was an all-star, averaged about, I think, 23, 24 points per game with the Pacers, was playing very well. Um, and he, he's still only 28 years old. Now, you look at the negative aspects to the past three years. Since that all-star appearance, he's had multiple injuries. Um, his efficiency numbers have went down. I believe he's he's not a very good three-point shooter. Um and his numbers have kind of dipped. He's been traded a few times. He was at the Rockets most recently, uh, played 20 games. You know, uh, he, he averaged about 20 points per game. But again, like I said, the efficiency numbers were down. And I think his defense has taken a little bit of a step back as well with, you know, kind of those injuries seemingly maybe taking at least a little bit of that athleticism away. Um, you know, in Victor Oladipo, he's been a player that I've always enjoyed since he was at Indiana. Um, coming out in that draft when he was drafted in the lottery. He was one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player, uh, from that draft class. Um, you know, so the fact that he's with the Heat, I, I like it a lot. Um, and I think now with the overall trade, because to get Victor Oladipo, the Heat gave up Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and then a pick swap, which, you know, for sure we got the better value out of this. It It's kind of crazy um, to me that, that Houston didn't have any better offers than this. I mean, Kelly Olenek being the signature piece of a trade, like Kelly Olenek's not bad. He's a pretty good three-point shooter. Uh, you know, he has, you know, he's a decent rebounder, so he definitely offers some things to a team, but he's he's clearly like more of a rotational piece, you know. He has some defensive uh, flaws to his game, you know. So just the fact that Kelly Olenek was the centerpiece of this trade, it's like, man, could Houston, you, you guys really couldn't get anything better from anyone? Like, the Lakers couldn't come down and, and offer like KCP, you know, as like a centerpiece with a couple other players. It just, it was kind of crazy to me that we were able to get such a good deal um, for Oladipo. Um, now, also another piece to this is that this is the last year of Oladipo's contract. He had, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a max contract, but he has a pretty big contract. This is the last year. So even if it doesn't work out with Oladipo and the Heat, then he just becomes a free agent, and we still have the cap flexibility to potentially go after like a Kyle Lowry um, or maybe a, another guard that can help, um, you know, make this make this Heat team uh, a potential championship team in the future, which is now what we're looking at as we made the finals last year. I mean, this is really the window. This is the time. You know, we can't wait just because Bam and Hero and Duncan are all young, only you know been in the league for a couple of years. Our window is now. Jimmy Butler. He's getting older, so we really need to do everything we can to win a championship. So with all that being said, I'm very um, excited about the deal. I'm happy with it, and I'm interested to see what Oladipo can do uh, the rest of the season with Miami. Yeah, no, 100%. It's definitely going to be interesting because Oladipo, quite, he hasn't quite hit his stride like he used to a little bit earlier in his career. 
Um, but will he be able to put uh, Miami over the hump um, to get past a team like the Nets or the Lakers? I don't know. Uh, but you do make a good point that it really is kind of risk-free. You know, if it doesn't work out, they're going to have his whole cap room. Which how much? Do you know how much his cap room is, Trevor? Um, like, do you know how much he's against the cap? No, I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look into that more. Not too sure. It, it, I mean, it's, I know it's a lot of money. It's got to be probably close to like $30 million or something. So it's going to be it's gonna be a good chunk of change there for sure. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, any other big parts of uh, freedoms that you want to talk about? I'm sure we'll throw it over to Ben too in a second. Yeah, so I guess just to kind of transition, um, you know, to, to like we said, I think a, a good way would be to talk about the Nets, who just got LaMarcus Aldridge. And I know... A lot of people are upset with this. I totally understand it, right? It's like, oh, they just got Blake Griffin, and now they're getting LaMarcus Aldridge too on top of this superstar team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. I think I saw a stat that among uh, their whole team, they have a combined 41 All-Star appearances um, with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. So 41 All-Star appearances, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the most all-time. It has to be, right? Like, that, that just seems inconceivable that a team can have that many combined All-Star appearances. Now, I think the only thing to maybe give uh, other fans at least a little bit of hope is that Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge both are nearly the same players as they were in their prime. They're both getting older. Aldridge especially, I believe he's 35. Um, his numbers have taken a step back this year. He's only averaging about 14 a game. He's playing. He was playing less minutes for the Spurs, only about 25 minutes per game. So, yes, it helps the Nets. It makes them even better, which does suck for opposing fan bases. I get it. I'm a little annoyed about it too. Um, but it's not a guarantee that just because they now have Aldridge and they have this all-star team that they're definitely going to wipe through everyone and win the finals. I think they are the favorite given uh, the injuries with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, but if LeBron and Anthony Davis do come back fully healthy in the next month or so and the, you know they have a little bit of time to ramp up before the playoffs, I think uh, I might still stick with the Lakers. So that's going to be interesting, that piece of it. A few other trades, just wanted to mention. Uh, Norman Powell traded the Blazers with uh, Gary Trent and, a, and a, a couple other pieces there. Uh, Rodney Hood as well. I think I like this one for the Blazers. Norman Powell, he's a young player that really has uh, taken a big leap. He's averaging about 19 points per game. He's a really good shooter, uh, decent defender as well. So I like it for Portland. I think it's interesting. Um, then you got uh, Nikola Vucevic, who was traded to the Chicago Bulls. It seems clear that the the Magic, giving up Aaron Gordon, who's now with the Nuggets, um, are now doing another rebuild within, essentially, uh, a rebuild itself. I mean, the Orlando Magic, after Dwight Howard left, after this kind of core they had in the late 2000s that, that went to the finals with Howard, with Turkaloo, with Jameer Nelson— uh, Richard Lewis. Now they like they rebuild it. They had Vucevic. They became this team who at least made a couple playoff appearances. Now they're doing another rebuild. So this does not look good for the Magic. Uh, definitely um, would be a frustrating franchise to to root for. Um, and now they're just kind of starting back at uh, uh, step one again. Now for the Bulls, mm -hmm. I like it because um, they're they're trying to win. You know, they're really putting in an effort to win. I think. You know, yes, it, it definitely doesn't make them a contender, but I think it's interesting at least with Vucevic, uh, a great you know stretch five man could step out, shoot the three, rebound well, pairing him with Zach Levine, who has really had the best year of his career up until this point. I think that's interesting, and I think it makes the Bulls a playoff team. So, 
Just a couple trades I wanted to mention there. I thought those were some of the biggest ones. Uh, Denver with Aaron Gordon. I think that at least, you know, uh, it makes them a little bit better. We'll have to see. Aaron Gordon hasn't been exactly the player um, many would hoped he had been up to this point. Uh, you know, when you just comparatively look at like a Julius Randle, for example, who was in the same draft and made an all-star team, you know, now. So definitely some interesting ramifications for the season moving forward with these trades. Um, you know, but again, as of now, I think Brooklyn is the team to beat in the East. And then if the Lakers, you know, do get back to fully health or they're fully healthy again, I think they're the team to beat in the West. So definitely going to be an interesting last few months of the season. One, one quick thing I want to mention about Marcus Aldridge before I pass over to Ben and then we'll move on from this segment, um, is I, I find this very interesting because Marcus Aldridge wasn't even playing at San Antonio. I mean, they, 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 they were benching him. He wasn't playing. So, you know, maybe it adds some value. I don't quite see. It's the same thing with Blake Griffin. I mean, he's just at the end of his career and it's just, you know, it's not, not what they used to be at all. So maybe this helps them a little bit. But, you know, having Anthony Davis down low, I don't know if these guys are beating him, you know, down low at all. So... You know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Ben, any final thoughts before we kind of move in to the end of Small Talk today? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously Victor Oladipo to the Heat was probably the biggest one um, of the trade deadline. That's the first one that I saw uh, from the trade deadline, just getting, like, notifications on my phone and stuff. And like Trevor said, it kind of depends on what Victor Oladipo you're getting because if you can get even a fraction of what he was, um, Indiana. like, in 2018 yeah. against LeBron in those playoffs, like, he was phenomenal. He was one of the – yeah, he looked like a top – 10, maybe even top five player in the NBA um, during that postseason. If you can get just a fraction of that, I think the Heat are set up really well. And like you said, even if he is playing not so great, he's got a lot of injury issues, the Heat are still in a good position. So it, it's just an interesting thought to see that if, if he can play as well as he's capable of playing, him with Jimmy Butler, that's going to be really, really cool to watch. Um, the whole Marcus Aldridge thing is kind of like you guys said. I mean, he, again, he's old. Uh, I mean, at one time he was an awesome player. I used to love watching him play. I would. I remember. I was so upset when he went to the Spurs because I didn't like the Spurs at that time. I was so upset when they when they signed him. I think that was through free agency, um, because he was so dominant when when he was um, younger. So, mm-hmm. and I remember. I, I've said many times on this podcast how it, it it's it's cool for the NBA. It's good for the NBA to have this team in Brooklyn that's that's stacking up with all these stars. Um, I said that when when James Harden was sent there, but now I'm getting a little tired of it. Okay, like they're getting all these big names, and again, like you know Blake Griffin and. Aldridge, like you said, they're at the end of their career, but I'm still getting a little annoyed by all these names are getting, um, just because I don't know. I, I, I not that I hate the Nets or anything, but I really don't want to see them win a championship. I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world if they did. Um, but it is good for the NBA. Again, it's it's it is cool to see like you have all these big names, regardless of where they are at in their careers. It's still really cool to see a lineup when you can have Kevin Durant, you know, Kyrie Irving, Harden, Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge. It's just kind of cool to see because you don't see. Um, five big names like that necessarily on one team. So it, it's cool to see. Um, the last one I'll say, I, nobody said it. I, Trevor, I'm kind of surprised you didn't say it. Your cousin, J.J. Redick, um, oh, going yeah. to the Mavericks. Um, it, again, it, he's having a down year. He's not like he's playing his best or anything, but he's still a good player. And if anything, he's a good veteran. He's smart. He knows the game of basketball. He's he's a good presence to have on the court um, for younger players. So it's nice to see him move from a team in the Pelicans that really aren't that good at all. They have Zion, and that's about it maybe Lonzo, to a team like the Mavs who have Luka Doncic and are fighting for a playoff spot. So good for J.J. Redick, uh, Trevor, your cousin. I don't know if you have any any inside scoop on that since you are related to him, but it is what it is. 
<laughs> yeah, it's um, definitely be interesting to see JJ on the Mavs. I think it'll be it could potentially be an environment where he thrives. Uh, I know in the podcast he was talking about how you know he's really uh, dealt with a lot of struggles just with like how chaotic this whole season is with like the testing, uh, uh, you know, protocols and everything that's going on. So hopefully, um, you know, he's able to you know get shots that he. Um, would like in a better obviously with the Mavs I think it's a team that really is able to space the floor better they have other good shooters like Luka so I think it'll be a better place for him to play yeah 100% so let's uh, finish off small talk today with small talk trivia um, well, Trevor, what is the score? This might be our one of our last weeks doing this so what's the scoreboard uh, the score is 43 to 35 you are in the lead all right, I will offer you two points today for my question. Oh. If you can get the team and the amount, which you, that'll make sense in a second here, who has the most NCAA tournament wins in the 2010s? So if you can tell me the team and the number of wins, I will give you two points. Okay, the team with the most NCAA tournament wins just in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 10 years worth of tournament basketball. So... First thing I should do, I could go through, think about uh, the most successful teams. So you look at like a Villanova, who has won two championships in the 2010s, obviously, you know, with uh, some very successful teams there under Jay Wright. Obviously, that would be 12 wins right there that they have at least. Now they have gotten, uh, in this tournament alone, they've got uh, two more. So they have at least uh, like 15. Well, we're not in the 2010s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way, um, obviously. So Villanova, they have at least, I would say, 13, 14, 15, probably at minimum. That's a strong candidate. You look at uh, like mm-hmm. a Virginia team who often had success, finally got their championship two years ago. Um, before that, they had some like Elite Eight runs. They were interesting. Uh, you have like Duke who won in 2010, and then obviously they have a couple other runs in there. Kentucky, another team who won in 2012, made it to the Final Four in 2015, um, you know, had a couple other runs. 2014, that team uh, won a lot of games, so Kentucky definitely in the double digits as far as wins. North Carolina, another team, they have a championship. Uh, they have a, a runner-up finish, obviously. So these are all good options. Even like a Michigan, uh, they have two runner-ups, a couple other deep runs. So I I think those are all strong candidates. So let's see. Villanova, they have at least like 14 or 15. I think Kentucky has about probably similar, probably 14, 15. Uh, Kansas even probably has some, some up there. They have at least some deep runs. Um, they don't have a championship in the 2010s, but they have. I think they have a. I think they have a runner-up. I think uh, 2012 they were the runner-up to Kentucky, I believe. So they're up there. But my strongest, um, I, I think the the teams that are most likely to have this is Villanova and Kentucky, um, and maybe even maybe even Duke. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut here, like I normally do. It's hard to to know what team it exactly would be. But I'm going to say uh, that the answer is I'm between Villanova and Kentucky. I think it's one of those teams. I think I'm going to say... While, while you're thinking, keep on yeah, thinking. While you're thinking about that, I do want to give credit to Ben. This is Ben's question. I forgot to give Ben credit. 
So, gotta give credit where it's due. This is Ben's question. Thank you for this, Ben. Of course, I'm happy to help. All right, Trevor, can you keep on? Let's get the wheels turning here. Um, I think I'm going to submit an answer. I'm going to submit uh, Kentucky as my answer. I think Kentucky okay. has the most NCAA tournament wins just because I think they have more success like consistently versus Villanova. Okay. Um, how many How many uh, wins? The number I'm going to go with is it's definitely more than like 12. I'm going to say that they have... Uh, I'm going to say they have 16. I'm going to say they have 16 wins and then sail tournament in the 2010s. Okay, so, Trevor, it's been a little while since you've gotten a question, right? Right? It's been a minute? Yeah, thanks for reminding I think me. It's been a minute. Uh, yeah, I had to remind you. Um, but, I have good news for you today, Trevor. You... You uh you got a point today. Kentucky is the correct answer. It is Kentucky. Now the number of wins you have is extremely low. They have thirty one. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the answer was thirty one. Okay. Uh, wins. But you got to think about like yeah. When they win, win. Like how many how many championships do they have in the twenty tens? Two, three. How many do they have? Uh, they have. Uh, they only have one, I think. They, they only have one. one. Yeah. So when you win that, you win what five six. games? I think it's six. 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 Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. six right there. And making a couple Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, you're going to have. I mean, that's three or four wins right there. So. Wow. Yeah, 31 is the correct answer. Again, thanks to Ben for coming up with the question. Who was, uh, Trevor. Who was second by chance? Like, do you have, like, a. Uh, or do I, you not know? I don't have okay. that information okay. in front of me. Okay. Yeah, you know? I got no idea, Trevor. Okay. All right. Glad to get a point. It at least helps me a little bit there. All right. So, mm-hmm. with my question today, it's going to be NBA related. And my question is Who is the lowest seeded team? To make it to the NBA Finals, um, the lowest seed team to to win the NBA Finals or just make just, it there? just to make it there. So, okay. so the answer is a team, so that at least you know, it at least narrows it down to where you you know, <laughs> you can think about which team could have possibly done this. Um, so uh, has there been? Eight seed. I don't think there's been an eight seed that that's gotten there. So it's a team. I'm naming a team. Yes, the answer is a team. And just the the. So it doesn't matter about winning. Just making it there. Just making it there. Oh God. Do I gotta give the year? No. You know, but as a matter of fact, and, and I'll give you a bonus point if you get the year, even though you're even though you lead me by like seven points. But that would be. I have, I have no impressive. clue what the answer is, so it's it's just gonna be a wild guess. A year. I I mean I have, mm, I have no clue. I'm not gonna ponder quite as much as you did, because I I have genuinely no clue. I will say. I will say the. I'll go with the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. And a year, I don't know. And you pick a year for me. I have no clue. <laughs> 2005. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if they made it in 2005, <laughs> but I'll go with Dallas Mavericks 2005 final answer. Um, I have a 1 in 30 shot. Ben, so. ben what about you? Do you do you know this uh, trivia question? No, I mean, I, I have no idea the trivia question. The only team I could think of is the Heat last year. I don't know. They were like, what, a four seed or yeah. a five seed yeah, or something? I mean, I, that was the first team I, that came to my mind. I guess it but, could have been the Heat. That seems um, pretty low. It's it's just that's a hard question because like, 
I mean, the NBA Finals is so different than like March Madness because you got to beat a team four out of seven games. So yeah. typically, the better team wins. So yeah. you don't see like I mean, you see an eleven seed make the Final Four in March Madness. You don't see that in in the NBA. So this right. is a tough question because typically, you know, the ones or the two seeds are the ones making the finals because of the better teams, and it's hard to beat them. Right. You know, four out of seven games. So Trevor, what's what's the answer? I submit. My okay, answer. so that that is not correct. The correct answer is the 1998-99 New York Knicks. They were an eight seed, and they did make the finals. That was, uh, I believe, the the first lockout year. It was one of the lockout years, um, okay. or like it, they they had less games. But the 1998-99 New York Knicks, they made the finals as an eight seed. Hey, the more you know, mm-hmm. the more you know. So we will exit small talk trivia and we will go over to random the rank. This is a segment where we take a completely random topic and rank it. It's very self-explanatory. And today we have an interesting one. Trevor, you came up with this one, is that correct, or did Ben come up with this one? Yeah, I, I it was all Trevor. I found it on one of our most trusted, trustworthy websites, Ranker.com. Yes, sir. Yes, of course. Um, so what we are doing today is best fast food breakfast items. Um, so you know whatever you want to consider fast food items, you know. It is what it is. Trevor, we will start off with you today. What are your top three favorite fast food breakfast items? All right, so this one was tough because I, I love breakfast foods, um, and, and there's a lot of different great fast food items. But I'm going to start it off with a breakfast sandwich because I love breakfast sandwiches. And I'm going to go with the Starbucks sausage cheddar um or it's like sausage, egg, and cheese uh, sandwich on an English muffin from Starbucks. I actually had this for the first time a couple weeks ago, and I loved it. It was super fresh, um, just tasted really great. It, it was awesome. Um, so I put that at number three. Number two, now I was debating, like, uh, should I put, like, uh, can I can we put drinks on the list? But at the end of the day, I did put um, a drink as my number two. I selected uh, the salted caramel hot chocolate from Dunkin' Donuts. It is just incredible. It is so good. It's one of the best tasting drinks you could ever imagine. It's it's incredible. So that's my number two. And number one, um, I went with another breakfast sandwich. I, I, did, I was like, eh, do I want to be this boring? Should I try to include like a different item, like a hash brown or a donut? But at the end of the day, I did go with two breakfast sandwiches. And at number one, I have the turkey sausage egg and cheese sandwich from Dunkin'. Uh, Dunkin', they're, they're the king of breakfast to me. They have amazing donuts. They have amazing drinks. They have amazing sandwiches. Dunkin' Donuts, they're just uh, the best. So I went with that sandwich from Dunkin' for number one. Trevor, I'm going to be honest. I, I, a lot of hot takes there. I don't know if I agree with some of those takes, but I'm, I'm going to give my top three. My number three is this. It, it, honestly... It's not even like this like amazing, amazing sandwich, but I do like it a lot. It's just a classic McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese. I'm not as big into sausage uh, as you guys are. Uh, I definitely like bacon a lot more. Uh, so I, I put McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese at number three. Number two, I have the Chick-fil-A uh, like chicken biscuit sandwich that you can only get at breakfast time. That thing is phenomenal. Put a little bit of barbecue sauce in that. I understand it's kind of exiting the breakfast realm, but it is a breakfast menu item, and I like it a lot. Number one, and I think this item is unmatched, it is the Starbucks Double Smoked Bacon Egg and Cheese. That thing is so good. It is just phenomenal, and I don't think anything could possibly top it. And that would be my top three. Ben, what are your top three favorite fast food breakfast items? You know, Brendan... I'm a little upset because my number three on my list, I kind of thought you'd have. 
Um, and my number three is the coffee cake muffin from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I, I mean, forgot about that. I forgot about that. You have to respect. I mean, I'm a little offended. Okay, but okay. You got to respect the coffee cake muffin. I, I want to point out, if I could alter my list, I would take McDonald's off and I'd put Chick-fil-A at number three and the coffee cake muffin would be at number two. I completely forgot okay. about that. I, I, I figured something was up because, I mean, even on this podcast before, you've raved about that. Yeah, that yeah, that, that's, so that's, I, that's a great breakfast item. That, that would I be had my to number put two. It, yeah. that would be my I number had to two. put it at my number three um, just because, I mean, it's just it's so good. It, it, a lot of good memories with that coffee cake muffin. It's delicious. There's never, never a time when I wouldn't want to eat it. Um, however, it is not the best thing at Dunkin' Donuts, and oh, that, that is my number wow. two. My number two is also from Dunkin' Donuts, and it's sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant. Yeah. Pretty basic, nothing special, but that's something I could eat every day. And it fills me up. Like it's obviously it's not a huge sandwich, but I could just get that and maybe a donut, and I'm good. I'm good for breakfast. That yeah. totally fills me up. Um, so I had to put that at my number two. Just an awesome sandwich. Anytime I go to Dunkin', I'm gonna get a sausage, egg, and cheese on a croissant. Um, no matter what else I'm getting, I, I promise you, I will be getting that anytime at, I'm at a Dunkin' Donuts. My number one um, is something I haven't had it in a really, really long time. But the reason I put it at number one is because when I was a kid. Um, I used to get this all the time for McDonald's and their breakfast, and that's their pancakes, McDonald's hotcakes. Mm. I love them. And again, it's I don't think they're anything like special, but for whatever reason, maybe it's just like a nostalgia thing, but I love their their pancakes for, just for whatever reason. If I have the opportunity, and again, McDonald's is hard because a lot of times uh, you're, like you're eating their food or their breakfast you know, on the road or something. You can't necessarily just whip out some hotcakes while you're driving. But if, you have the, if I have the opportunity to go home and eat anything from McDonald's breakfast, I'm going to pick their pancakes. Just for whatever reason, I love their pancakes. I can never get enough of them. So I, I had to put that on my number one um, for those reasons. Yeah, solid list all around. Uh, def- definitely good items put out. I want to point out, I, I'm editing my list. McDonald's is out. Coffee Cake Muffin is in at two. I completely forgot about it. But okay. I make a great point. So yeah, no, no issue there. Let's move to our final segment of the day. Let's get into some of the college basketball games we saw yesterday on Saturday. Recording this on Sunday, so it is before the four games that are on this Sunday. Um, but we will be able to talk about, at the very least, um, the games that happened on Saturday. So, Trevor, I'm going to let you take it away. Some of your thoughts from these games. So, probably a relatively quick, quicker segment, I'd imagine. You know, we're only going over a couple games. Um, so, Trevor, deep dive into some of the games, some of the guys you saw that you you really liked how they played. Yeah, I'm just going to go uh, game by game, and either you guys can butt in if you, if you want to uh, mention something at any point. So, the first game we had was Oregon State, Loyola, the, the 12 seed versus the 8 seed. And, you know, coming in this game, I was like, okay, it's going to be interesting. Loyola's fun to watch. But there was still a part of me, I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that was like, man, we could have had Illinois versus Oklahoma State. We could have had Iowa versus Cade. And I was a little I was a little upset, I'm not going to lie. But I still did enjoy some parts of this game. It was an ugly game at times. Um, early mm-hmm. on, neither team was making a shot. There was very uh, a lot of stifling defense uh, from both teams. I was really impressed uh, in particular by Oregon State's defense because, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, they're a Pac-12 team. They're on the West Coast. I don't watch a lot of Oregon State basketball, you know. I haven't watched a lot of them this year. <laughs> so, for me, they have been by far the biggest surprise of the tournament. Well, I guess Oral Roberts technically might be the biggest surprise. I don't know. Or Abilene Christian even. But Oregon State, they're now in the lead eight because they, they do end up winning this game, 65-58. to 58. And it was just shocking because – you know, I kind of looked on paper, and then I watched their game against Tennessee. I watched some of the game against Oklahoma State. And I was like, okay, so they're a really good three-point shooting team. And then as the more I've watched, even watching this game especially, it's it stood out to me like how good they are defensively. Uh, they played a little zone at times in this game. Um, really just 
trying to force Loyola to shoot threes, you know. Loyola, not the best three-point shooting team. They're really just known for their great team basketball. Um, they're really good at getting good shots with uh, some of their offensive sets. Not the best three-point shooting team, though. And Oregon State kind of took advantage of that. They forced them to shoot more threes. And Loyola, they were 5 of 23 from the three-point line, only 22%. So that was a big thing that stood out. Um, you know, just a lot of these guys couldn't really get it going early on. I think Cameron Crutwig was, I think outside of like a, a, a Braden Norris three, he was the only one with like a field goal for the first, like, I don't know, 12, 13 minutes of the game. It was really strange. Um, you know, as the game went on, Oregon state started getting in a little bit more of a rhythm. They started hitting some more shots. Um, and they were getting to the free throw line as well. Um, they were 18 of 20 from the free throw line, very efficient. So, I, you know, I guess the point is I, I've just been very impressed by Oregon State, you know, and their, their defense especially. Um, and, and I'm excited to see, you know, what they can do against Houston um, in, in the Elite Eight. Uh, ben, did you have any thoughts on this game by chance? Yeah, I mean, again, and Oregon State's one of those teams where they're just interesting because, I mean, I didn't even have them winning the first game. They were 12 seed, and I, I get mm-hmm. it, like 12 seeds win over 5 seeds. But they were playing Tennessee, who's been up and down all year. Tennessee was definitely capable of winning that game. And they destroyed Tennessee, and it seems like they've just been on a complete roll since then, and even before then in the Pac-12 championship. So they're just an interesting team. But I need a definitive answer here, and I, I think I brought this up on the podcast last week. If not, I definitely have at least told you guys this. I need a definitive answer, and we have three people here, so we're going we're gonna to get the bottom to the bottom of this right now. Is Oregon State a Cinderella team? Are they allowed to be called a Cinderella? And I want to I want to ask both of you your opinions on this because here's my opinion. They're a, they're a power conference school, okay? So I have a hard time calling them the you know the Cinderella or a Cinderella of this tournament because they have all the resources available to be successful. And I get it. They're Oregon State. It's one of probably the tougher jobs in the power conference schools to coach at, really for football or basketball. So I get it. But I, I'm going to go on and say I vote that they are not a Cinderella school I do, or a Cinderella team. I do not want to see people consider Oregon State a Cinderella team. So, Brandon, I'm going to ask you first. What's your opinion on this? Do you think Oregon State deserves to be called a Cinderella? So here's, here's the question you had to propose. It's, it's one of two things. Do you consider a Cinderella team a low-seeded team or a small school team? And if your answer, I mean, that, that'll answer your question. If you consider it a low-seeded team, they're Cinderella. But if you consider it a small school team, they're definitely, I mean, they're a power five school. So they're not a school, okay. you know, a team like that. I would say if they didn't win their tournament, it doesn't seem like that they would be in. No, not, yeah. not at all. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards no Cinderella because it's a big school. But I understand the argument. I understand the argument. Okay. Trevor, what do, what do you think? Yeah, my instinct is no. Um, I, again, it's just like... I, it's how I see it. I'm not going to be mad if people do consider them a Cinderella, but I personally don't see – it would be hard to see high major teams um, and considering them a Cinderella for me personally. So I, I think I agree with you, Ben. I, I don't have like a – I don't have like an in-depth analysis of like why I think that, um, but it's just like okay. how I feel about it, I guess. I don't know. No, I get it. And I, I, an argument for this, and I'll, I'll wrap this up because I don't, we don't have to talk about for 30 minutes about Oregon State being a Cinderella. I guess an argument in favor of them being a Cinderella would be the fact that they were picked to finish like 11th or 12th in the Pac-12. Yeah, last. Like they were supposed to be like the worst team in the Pac-12. Okay, so it is a cool story. I get that. But I'm just under the impression I just I can't call a Pac-12 school an under, an, a Cinderella team. Um, my only other thought about this game is I'm upset that Oregon State won because 
There were only two options I wanted to see in the national championship game. I either wanted to see Gonzaga versus Loyola or Gonzaga versus Baylor. And one of those options got knocked out yesterday. So I'm a little upset that Loyola lost. But it's okay. Obviously, Oregon State's on a great run. And it is cool to see teams like this get high at the right time um, and see how far they can go. Yeah, definitely. So the next game we get into is Baylor-Villanova. Baylor ends up winning this game 62-51. They had a a really good stretch there toward the end of the game. Davion Mitchell playing some awesome defense. Jared Butler, obviously, you know, not his best shooting game, but still kind of toward the end there. Um, You know, got it going at least a little bit. And um, uh, Flagler, Adam Flagler as well, he started uh, hitting some shots when it seemed like Baylor was going cold. You know, they had some stretches where they weren't scoring a lot. Um, Adam Flagler hit a couple shots, so that kind of stood out to me as well. Um, You know, and despite the fact that Villanova lost this game, I came away from it being pretty impressed by Villanova. And I think that's ultimately just simply because I haven't been all that impressed with Villanova all year, Um, just watching them. And it's not like I'm, I'm watching every Villanova game, right? But when I have watched them, and and maybe this is what we do as as fans or, you know, when we're watching teams, it's like we form our opinions on teams based on when we see them. So it's like if I only watch Villanova, you know, they play 25 games this year. If I only watch Villanova uh, like five times and they play 25 games and they happen to not play as well those five games, that, that's going to be what my opinion is and it's not going to be – uh, super accurate. Um, and in addition to that, they were without their point guard, Colin Gillespie. So mm-hmm. I've been very surprised by Villanova this year um, in the tournament, you know, beating Winthrop, then going and destroying North Texas. Um, I, I was very surprised by that result. And then I thought they just played well against Baylor. Their defense was uh, very um, good, uh, just very, a lot of energy, very active uh, with some of their players. And I mean, clearly they're they're a talented team. They have a lot of they have a few five stars. I mean, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I think, was very highly um, you know uh, regarded as a recruit. You know, you have like uh, Justin Moore as well. He played very well. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just really impressed by Villanova, even though they are the losing team. But at the end of the day, Baylor's Baylor, and um, they're going to keep going. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, again, I I just want that Gonzaga Baylor match I, matchup. I just want to see it. Yeah, that's really what we it comes all do. Hundred yeah. percent. 100%. Yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts on that game. I thought it was an interesting game. But the best game of the day was the next game up, Arkansas-Oral Roberts. Uh, Arkansas beats Oral Roberts 72-70. And this one was back and forth late in the game. It was like, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of did doubt Oral Roberts a little bit. I was like, yeah, they have their Cinderella run. But just like Florida Gulf Coast when they ended up losing in Sweet 16, I was like, you know, Arkansas is going to end up winning by, I don't know, 10, 12 points, something like that. But it was a nail-biter. It's very close. And these teams have actually played uh, this regular season. They played, I think, back in December. Uh, and Arkansas won that game by 11. So I, I was just interested to see, you know, matching up again how they would play. Uh, and Max Abemus, who is leading scorer in, in the NCAA in the country uh, for, for Oral Roberts, he had another really good game, uh, 25 points again, which means that he's the only player outside of Steph Curry with Davidson during that 2008 run who has had three consecutive games, I believe, scoring 25 points or more, which is uh, pretty interesting. So he, he was just really impressive. You know, he gave me, he reminded me a little bit of like C.J. McCollum when he was in college with Lehigh, you know, um, when when he was like going against Duke and he was just kind of uh, showing out and playing really well. Just really impressive um, as kind of like an undersized guard who just can score in so many different ways and 
um, you know, just hit hit big shots. And that last shot, he had an opportunity. Um, Arkansas was up two, and they had about three seconds, and they got a really good shot um, on the inbound. I mean, Oral Roberts, they threw like a pass to Amos at half court. He kind of streaked along the sideline, and he got like a pretty decent look at a wing three. It was contested, but nevertheless, he got a clean look at the basket. And, you know, I believe it hit front rim, went out, or and, and missed. But I just keep thinking about, man, if that shot would have went in, that would have been something we talked about for, I mean, so many years to come. I mean, you, you think about, like, some of the other biggest shots we've had in NCAA tournament history. I mean, you have, like, the Bryce Drew with Valparaiso. You have, like, uh, the Chris Jenkins. That was in a championship game. Um, you know, you have so many other shots. Like, I think the Northern Iowa one where they hit that shot at half court against Texas a few years ago. That would have been one of the moments that we reflect on so often. I, I was a little upset that it didn't go in, but nevertheless, this was an amazing game, I thought. Uh, ben, did you did you have any thoughts on this game? I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to see Oral Roberts win. Obviously, that I, I thought that – I looked like that shot was going in. I really thought it was getting – maybe it was just me hoping – um, it would go, and it would have been awesome to see a 15 seed in the Elite Eight. It would have been such a cool story. Um, and that Oral Roberts team, they were really fun to watch these last three games. Uh, so shout out to them. Really cool story. It, it's sad to see their their season come to an end. But, I mean, they lost to a really good a really good Arkansas team. And shout out to Eric Musselman. I mean, he's only in his second year at Arkansas, and he's got the team rolling. They're looking really, really good. So um, You called again, that, man. You called I did. I, it's annoying because I, like, I said, I told you guys, I was like, I think they're pretty good. Um, and again, Illinois was in this bracket, so it's hard to see anybody other. Or no, sorry, they're in the uh, Ohio State, but they're they're in the Baylor bracket or the region. So Baylor, it's hard to see anybody other than Baylor coming out of this region anyway. Um, but I did say I was like, oh, Arkansas is not bad. I, I do think they they had a potential to get to a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, but my brackets didn't reflect that. I listened to you guys. I I had um, Ohio State beating them, I think, in one of my brackets. So. Um, I guess I didn't necessarily listen to my own advice, but they are a good team, um, and Eric Musselman's done an awesome job. So mm-hmm. shout out to Arkansas. It, it, it's a really good win for their program, um, and something that they will probably benefit years from com- or years to come. Now, hopefully, if Eric Musselman can stay there and he doesn't move on to a better job. Yeah, I'm really excited for the Arkansas Baylor game uh, tomorrow. It's gonna be tomorrow night, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Um, just Arkansas is just a fun team to watch, and so is Baylor. So I really can't wait for that game. But uh, the final game we had last night was. Houston beating Syracuse 62-46, to 46, and just that, that uh, Buddy Buckets and, and the magic that they had over at Syracuse finally kind of ran out there. Definitely not a good shooting night for Syracuse. Uh, they only made five threes, 5-23. I think that's exactly what Loyola was, uh, shooting from three. So definitely um, it kind of ran out there. They, they shot very well against West Virginia, shot well um, against San Diego State as well, but it, it wasn't the case. Houston, um, another, I mean, West Virginia was known for their defense too, but Houston also a team that's really known for their defense, um, their relentless uh, pursuit and their energy, and that really uh, kind of showed through last night that Quentin Grimes had 14 points, not necessarily the most efficient, but he clearly, you know, his presence was felt. You had uh, Gorham, uh, who had 13 points, 10 rebounds, uh, Justin Gorham. So, you know, Houston, just really great defensive effort. Um, you know, a lot, I think like three of these games were pretty heavily uh, relying on the defense, so that's interesting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was an is- interesting game. I-, I hoped that Syracuse would make it closer, but that's ultimately not what we got. Um, 
But yeah, it was an interesting game. I'm really looking forward to today's games. I'm hoping that maybe we see a little bit, uh, a little bit more offense today. Definitely some interesting mm-hmm. ones. Um, and yeah, that's about it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, no, the games today should be really, really good, and hopefully we get a little go blue win. Um, but yeah. with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to the podcast today and all the support you've given us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Leave that five star review if you liked it. Um, of course, go follow the Twitter. The link is in the description. Or go to Twitter and look up at the Small Baller. Uh, follow us. You know when all of our episodes go live. We'll have another twelfth row podcast with Josh and Will coming out later in the week. And of course, our podcast, Small Baller Podcast, will be live next Sunday at four p.m. Eastern Standard Time, like always. Um, but like I said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!